Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Friday Reporter Podcast. It's a podcast where me, Lisa, the host, interviews journalists and the journalism adjacent about their work. The Friday Reporter Podcast is in partnership with PR Daily. And if you don't know about PR Daily, it is a tremendous uh, resource for communicators like myself and you and and the folks you work with. Uh, PR Daily actually just launched what's called the PR Daily Leadership Network. It's a peer-to-peer brainstorming and networking opportunity for mid-level communicators, uh, access to uh, measurement of SEO, uh, business fluency, presentation training, lots of other opportunities there at prdaily.com. If you're interested in the PR Daily Leadership Network, be sure to mention that you heard about it on the Friday Reporter Podcast to receive $500 off of your membership. Well, here we go again, another episode, first one ever on video with my good friend, Alan Locker, who is the host, the CEO, the creative director, and the man behind the locker room. Alan, how are you? It's so good to see you. I'm so well, Lisa. Thanks so much for asking me to join you today. So, Alan, I've uh, we were lucky enough to meet in New York just a few months ago, mm-hmm. and since that time, I've really had a chance to see some of this great work that you have started. Uh, also, the pandemic really sort of forced, uh, or really forced is maybe the wrong word, right? Maybe uh, inspired you to start this uh, project, but it's 300 episodes in, over $100,000 raised. I mean, could you have imagined when you started this project that this is where you'd be today? No, (laughs) no. You know, my initial idea really was to do something on Instagram because as we were all home, you know, in March uh, of 2020, I was seeing other people on Instagram doing, you know, Instagram lives, one-on-one interviews. And at the time, Instagram was only allowing you to do like we're doing Mm one-on-one. Now you can have more than one person for an interview. So I initially called some of my fellow uh, co-workers from As the World Turns and Guiding Light when I was in PR with them. And I thought maybe we could cheer people up because As the World Turns and Guiding Light had been off the air for 10 and 11 years when the pandemic hit. Sure. So it was just an initial, you know, w- will some, some of my friends say yes? And they all said yes. And one of them suggested, Michael Park, an actor, suggested um, that I use StreamYard. And that really kicked it off. And that's and the I platform really never... that you use for the locker room. And that's yeah. where the, and it's hosted on YouTube. So if folks want to watch and see, uh, that's where they'll find you. And I'll certainly make sure that in everything that we put up and out for this episode, folks can find you and, and tune in. You have a great, but you know, so a couple of friends is turned into 300 episodes. And that is a (laughs) tremendous, I mean, this little podcast, here I am a year and a half into it. And I thought, you know, maybe I could get my sister and my dad to tune in. I've made that joke a 100 times, but it's the truth. I really wasn't sure that anyone would tune in and listen. And I've been lucky enough to have just like you, a long history and a long career of, you know, working hard and working with great people that want to share, you know, how it is they got into this business. Talk to me a little bit about your background first, um, before we, because sure. I want to get into the, I love, I love the daytime and the, um, the creative piece of your, what you're doing, but tell me a little bit about your background. Cause it's super impressive. I always wanted to be in entertainment, but, uh, you know, as a young kid, I, I had no idea. And, um, I was actually working at a health club in New Jersey. I was probably a sophomore in college. And somebody overheard me having a conversation 
with a woman that I wanted to get in entertainment. Uh-huh. And this woman was uh, worked for ABC television in human resources Interesting. and told me about their page program. And basically that woman changed my life. I got a job as a page and that really opened every door for me. I, I got to work on Regis and Kathy Lee. I helped launch that show into syndication. I was, you know, a young college student and wow. got hired by them right out of college, uh-huh. um, which really doing this show, I learned, you know, I think back to that and I learned so much from them just by being prepared mm-hmm. for, you know, for an interview. Um, right. And really every door opened from that, you know, Disney syndicated Regis and Kathy Lee. Okay. And and then a uh, job opened in the movie division of Disney. So that's how I that spent, Disney, yeah, that's how that connection happened for you. That's interesting. Yeah. Yep. And then I worked in movies. I worked on over 200 movies during The Little Mermaid and Lion King and Dead Poet Society and Sister wow. Act. And oh my gosh. Really, as a, you know, coming right out of college and somebody who, who always loved entertainment, it's it was really a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where were you? Were you in New York or were you in California? I was. I was in New York. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, because New York's really the media capital. Right. So, you know, all the talk shows were here. And at that time, Disney was putting out 60 movies a year. So we had talent coming in. You know, one of the first people I worked with was Halle Berry. I still have a note from her. Wow. Like she was, she was basically, a, you know, a nobody. She was, she did that football movie. I wish I remembered. Um, can't remember what it was, I but movie. I have a note, I you know, yeah. from Hall- Halle Berry, you know. That's cool. Crazy. That Crazy. is so cool. And then so, uh, but you went on to continue in that space for a very, very long time. I mean, you've obviously got almost 30 years in that space where you were just yeah. fortunate enough yeah. to really sort of turn one tremendous opportunity into another. Well, I grew, grew up, my mother learned to speak English watching As the World Turns and Guiding Light. Is that So right? it was all... Yeah, so it was always a part of my life. It, it probably sparked that interest in the entertainment business, mm-hmm. and that. And I had applied for a job at the, those shows when I graduated college, but I didn't know what I wanted to really do at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, ten years later, I ended up in the PR department and later running the PR department. Your mom must have been so, not because. Of course, she was proud of you because you've done great things. But that really sort of because that's so real. That's something that's really sort of tangible and relatable. I'm I make a joke all the time that like my family sort of was curious about what is this politics thing that Lisa's in and why is she changing jobs every two years? But I love that because it really is. It's like um, it's a show that we saw every single day. You know, I mean get home from school, turn on Guiding Light. I mean, I don't know. I was a latchkey kid. So that was one of those things that we did, right? We came home and we watched our daytime shows. But how cool for you to spend time on that. And that's, to me, that is a tremendous amount of um, daily work. Like every single day is a new episode. Every single day is a new piece of content. And in the PR department for uh, for a soap opera, what, Mm -hmm. what kind of work were you doing? You know, that's what's so fascinating to go from, you know, picking up the telephone and saying you're calling from the Walt Disney Company to calling from As the World Turns or Guiding Light makes it a lot more challenging. Interesting. And, and I love, well, daytime has been around so long. Mm-hmm. So you really have to have something unique to get mainstream media to pay attention. You definitely get the daytime media interested because sure. that's their bread and butter. That's right. But mainstream, 
you know, there's some really great things I'm proud of from uh, daytime television. Um, did, did you watch Guiding Light? I can't remember. Is I that, did. Yeah. Did? Yeah. So Reva and Josh uh-huh. were, were having their third marriage. And do you remember on the <laughs> Learning Channel, the show called The Wedding Story? Yes, I do. So they only did real life weddings. I got them to do a 30 minute episode as if Reva and Josh were a real life couple. How cool. That's a yeah. great crossover too, right? I mean, that's right. very cool. You know, so that you had to really think outside the box. And we, uh, for As The World Turns, our executive producer took the show on the road to 10 college campuses where we went out, hired college students. We went out one week, did a casting session on college campuses, yeah. hired kids, then came back a week later, shot those episodes. Huh. Four weeks later, the shows aired. And then I went to the CBS morning show. And really before there was reality television, we did a week, a week's worth of live soap star screen tests with actors from the show uh-huh. and those college students where they got to act live on the morning show oh, and then no viewers voted online for them to win a role on the show. That's really cool. So, you know, you, you just had to think outside the box because it was, it was, you know, um, just not as easy as saying you're calling from the Walt Disney company. <laughs> but, how, <laughs> but how crazy smart. I mean, also too, like, I think that makes us better at the work we do today because we've had those experiences where we had yeah. to be, you know, quick on our feet and how do we cross over and how do we appeal to these different audiences? Also really smart because college kids may or may not have been into the soaps, but certainly you probably, you probably galvanized some loyal fans just by doing that folks that would be watching that show for, for many, many years afterward. That's so cool. And we went to markets where the show did well too, to generate more excitement. Tell me a little bit now. So you translate all of that to, um, you, you worked in a, you were in a, um, excuse me, a multimedia company right before the pandemic. Is that right? Well, tell me a little bit about a that. TV, a TV and movie tour company. I, okay. I did um, PR marketing and sales for a television movie tour company, All Location Tours. We basically, the Sex and the City tour, the Gossip Girl tour, oh, we yeah. showed people around New York City. Think about it. How your first your, your first glimpse of New York City, no matter what part of the world you come from, mm-hmm is from the television shows and movies. That's right. And people come from all over the world to see where those things were filmed. Sure, sure. I mean, the Sex and the City tour still goes on 20-something years later. My gosh. People want to see where Carrie lived or, yeah. you know, the Magnolia Bakery or, you know. Right, right. Where they shopped, really. Yeah. You know, where they shopped. And now with Sarah Jessica having a shoe store. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's back. But at the time... That really, that was an immediate hit during the pandemic, I, I, right? That just went I away. Knew. I I said to my husband two weeks prior to the to losing my job, don't be surprised if it goes away. I, you know, we we did a huge group tour business from around the world, right. and and you know, once the pandemic hit the news, COVID hit the news, people, you know, all of those school tours were canceling, right? And and you know, the tour company had to shut its doors basically for until the pandemic was basically you you were not you are not the only communicator that had that same thought because everyone I know that's on this side of the business maybe not the journalists because they knew that they would continue to be reporting in some way or another about COVID and all the other on the PR side 
I mean, you know, I mean, we've, we have kids that came, we came up around the same time through this business. We know communications is, can sometimes be the first one to go. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but out of that experience came the locker room. That mm-hmm. idea for this great show that you do now on YouTube. Uh, and tell me a little bit, I know you started, we, we talked a little earlier about how you started as something that was a feel good project but you've really turned it into a little bit of a humanitarian project too, in, in, in ways that you're trying to advance not only conversations, but you're also bringing on people that, that, that we know that we have grown up with. I mean, I know Kathy Lee was a guest at one point, but she's only one of those people that I'm pointing to. I mean, Bobby Spencer, I watched uh, on, you know, I, I saw your latest episode and I was like, yep, remember her. She looks terrific. Um, but all of these people that you've brought on to have these great conversations about not only the industry, but also about issues. Tell me a little bit how that process works, because 300 episodes is a big deal. I mean, that's a lot of work. It, it- it is when you <laughs> when you see that number. Sure, um, significant. You know, like I said, you know, the pandemic, I was done. I didn't start looking for a job right away because the world was shut down. Absolutely. So I just kind of was like, I'm, you know, as people said yes to be, and that was the other thing. So I initially started because I worked on As the World Turns and Getting Light. I was going to my friends and that's all I thought it would ever be. Sure. And sure. then the minute I started airing those, fans would write me and say, could you get this person? Could you get that person? I love and it. I think one of the first ones, you know, outside of my shows was Susan Lucci. And she that said, was a good yes. one. yeah. And then I start, you know, you, you start getting these yeses and you just keep going. The one thing I didn't realize, like I knew daytime fans would love and you reconnect them with their favorite characters. Absolutely. Um, we all, you and I having this conversation can learn. We all can learn from conversation if we all just listen mm-hmm. and even though we're talking about acting there's we we just go to other places they talk about their childhood they talk about you know growing up their parents or you know um yesterday kelsey wang i brought two of my worlds together kelsey wang is one of um very few asian american actors on a soap opera with a contract. Ah, uh, interesting. And she was one of my tour guides at On Location Tours. Oh, no kidding. Oh, Yes. Wow. And, you know, she was talking about just breaking the news to her parents, you know, growing up as a child of Asian immigrants, being an actress is not something that your parents- <laughs> Not high on the know, list of- uh... <laughs> it's, Yeah, exactly. I bet so not. there's just things you can learn and- um, you know, and then I started conversations with Alan, which is sort of a sub series because my parents were Holocaust survivors. Yes, I saw some of that. And you know, I initially wanted to do one episode that featured uh, two guests and sort of an expert about anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. And one of the guests I wanted—it's her birthday today, actually. Mindy Corporon, sadly, in 2014, lost her 14-year-old son and her father to a neo-Nazi who wanted to know what it felt like to kill Jewish people oh, no. and killed three, three non-Jewish people. Mm. And she asked me what I wanted to do with this show. And I, I told her I just wanted to educate and enlighten people about anti-Semitism and all of this. And she turned to me and she said, you now have a platform. Why would you do one show? Love it. And so conversations with Alan really started because of that conversation. And with you've Mindy. expanded it to lots of different issues, you know, whether it's about um, 
coming out as a young adult or talking to, you know, people of various backgrounds or the, the awareness around uh, all of these issues. I, I love it. I love what you've done. And I think that it's tremendous. And the fact that you've also found a way to parlay that into raising money for some of these tremendous charities is dynamite, Alan. It's just so great and something to be very proud of. Um, Cause you have this platform now, right. And it's, and yeah. here, you know, two years, not quite two years into this and here you are. It's cool. But I want you to tell Thanks. me, um, cause you should be proud of it, but, and you're loving it. I can tell because even when you're doing the show, it's, it's a, it's a passion project. You're having a great time. Mm-hmm. And it's also, it's a testament to all the good relationships you have with folks from, uh, from the work you've done, but you also now are working in, um, and working for a company that is in the, still in the communication space in the public affairs mm-hmm. space. Talk to me a little bit about true scope and then tell me mm-hmm. a little bit about how, how they've approached it. Like you've come to them. You obviously came on board already as the host of the locker room. I, I did, uh, yeah. And I have to believe that it was a little bit of a marketing piece. Like this is something that for them is also a great, um, anyway, I'll let you tell the story. Tell me how that approach yeah, has come know, together. It, it's funny. It's how world, worlds collide. The woman who hired me, Meg Crumbine, who's the president of our company in North America. Um, I was her client when I worked at Disney. She worked for video monitoring service. Interesting. And she saw that I was looking for a job during the pandemic and saw that I was hosting the show and she loved it. And she she came to me and told me about TrueScope, which is incredible. It's a media intelligence company, basically a fully uh, global platform that delivers relevant media insights in real time for us, yeah. the communications folks, yep. to manage brand reputation, track competitors, issues, and for me, I started at Disney as the low man on the totem pole where I would spend hours. Who did all that work yourself? <laughs> ripping out newspapers. I remember I well. Newspaper ink for days, you know, faxing this across the country. And now with a SaaS platform, you can do this work. Um, and it's not only just uh, compiling media coverage, it's really analyzing the media coverage, sentiment, and who's tuning in and conversation. So, um, when they came to me that they were bringing this company to the U.S. and, you know, I definitely, you know, I grew the locker room. I really was not ready to give it up. Yeah. Um, I needed a job, but they, they were, they loved what I've done. John Kroll, who's our CEO, they love what I've done. They allow me to still do it while I work. Um, full time. And I'm eternally grateful. Well, I think we live in that space now, wouldn't you say where people have, uh, they have their own platforms, and they have uh, opportunities to to be, you know, sharing good information. And as long as it's positive, and in, you know, in concert with the work that TrueScope is doing, or in concert with the company that you work for, why not? Right? I mean, it feels just and it's all, it's good. It's good visibility for you. It's a validator for all the great relationships you have and the work you do in the communication space. Um, and TrueScope, what I love about the conversations we've had about them is that for so long, in earned media especially, it's really hard to to measure that. You know, as you go to clients and you say, we're going to do these great things for you in the corporate world, uh, metrics are really a lot of success. And I think the last 
pillar of measurements has always been earned media, right? Like how do we measure sentiment? Mm -hmm. How do we measure uh, eyeballs? How do we, you know, get a sense of, of how this is impacting the conversation? And that work uh, is done by lots of different companies, but I love the work that you guys are doing. And I've obviously introduced you to lots of colleagues of mine because I think it's a it's a great tool. Um, and it's one that, you know, in the conversations I have with journalists, they are a little bit it's a little bit like telling them about how we do our work when we talk about measurement and metrics and all those other Mm -hmm. things. Um, But they actually are curious about it because it also is a validator back to their own news platform. You know, that they've had the work that the work that they're doing, the stories that they're writing, That's right. you know, and that's the interesting thing about TrueScope too, is, uh, you know, so many other platforms just like TrueScope, but the big difference is ours is built John Krull, the CEO, has worked in communications. It's not built by tech people. Yes, that's the difference. People, who, people who've worked in communications, right. you know, who know what you and I need to that's do right. our jobs better. That's right. It's a big difference. It's user friendly you know? for those of us who weren't weren't tech <laughs> yeah. kids. Um, but I do. I love that, and I love that that he was in communications and he has that sensibility about the kinds of metrics and the ty- kinds of data that are so relevant and really, you know, help keep our clients happy, but also validate the work that we do because the work we do is hard, and it's getting harder, right? I mean, I feel like it's just. The marketplace is so difficult to break into because of the variety of spaces that you're pitching. Um, and I think that that's something that we'll continue to get better at. I love that you and I have shared the, the, the success that we have in getting our colleagues and our friends to come on and do these shows with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that that's also a measure of good communications uh, in that, you know, you maintain these great relationships. You've obviously done well, but they wouldn't be coming on your show if they didn't know that you were someone who was an honest and, and good broker who knows how to produce something that's worthwhile and worth their time. It's really, I mean, we demonstrate every day we do one of these shows, our communications and people skills, Yeah, which, you know, I, I didn't think of it when I started it again, because it was, you know, on a whim, but as the yeah. days goes by and I, you know, reactions, you know, I, I have almost 20,000 subscribers from just organic, not me spending money to advertise right. the locker room. It's because people how are you, sharing it. That's so interesting though. So tell me if you will, how do you promote the show? So what kinds of things, what kind of features are you using? Is it, is it primarily uh, organic? Well, yeah, social media basically. I mean, I I will post on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, mm. uh, on YouTube, the community page on YouTube. I, I've built a a website, thelockerroom.com. That just is a little more difficult to maintain. It's good though, as you know. You've done a really good is. job on it. Yeah, full time job though. You know, it, it is. It's hard to keep everything active. You know, I'm scheduling social media stuff. Um, Thankfully, there is still daytime media and daytime press, and they will promote the daytime audiences. I don't really, you know, when I have a prime time, I don't have a lot of time to really be pitching to a list of, you know, TV editors. And to be honest, some of them won't promote virtual stuff anymore. You know, I've gotten that when I've had a big celebrity or something. Are you a little bit of their competition, though? I have to believe there's a little bit of competition, too, because who else is doing this stuff? Yeah, it's good for you. Well, uh, you know, uh, Shortly after I started, like Entertainment Weekly started, they did a couple soap reunions, but it was after I had started it. You were the first. So it was a nice, 
it was a nice uh, you know, compliment. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, before, before I let you go, because I only have a few more minutes of your time today, I was curious, uh, remind me again, the, some of the um, charitable groups that you are raising money for, please. Um, so at the start of the pandemic, we did a lot for pandemic charities, mm-hmm. um, Restaurant Strong, Feeding America, the Autism Society of America. Um, a lot for autism we have done. Uh, Feeding America, I'm trying to think. Uh, I can't think of the other charity we did. We'll list um, a couple of them, and I didn't mean to put you on the spot, yeah, but I did want yeah, to make sure I, that I, you got to, a chance to, to mention autism some of them. The Autism Society of America is, is a big one. That's great. And, and yeah, and we, um, one of the actors from As the World Turns has his own theater company. And basically, he literally opened it like a week before the pandemic hit. Oh, oh my goodness. And so we... We did an As the World Turns reading with the entire class. And he just recently reminded me that that benefit helped keep his theater alive during the pandemic. Like he was able to, you know, so it is something to, you know, to be proud of. I, I, I have not, every day I get reminded of, of some of the impact. A woman, you know, just sent a, um, she's sending a script that she had, um, that she had won at a donation. Hmm. Um, her husband passed away from COVID just recently, sadly. Oh, wow. And she shared just her husband's story of making fun of her watching soaps. But um, <laughs> she wanted, you know, it brought a smile to her face and she yeah. wanted to give that smile to someone else by donating the script back. Oh, that's so cool. Well, that's so great. Uh, well, one of the, la- the last question I typically ask my guests uh, is for a recommendation for someone else to be a future guest on the podcast. Is there someone that's in your world, someone that you've worked with in the communications or in journalism that you might recommend for a future episode? Oh, oh wow. Um, Robin Shallow. And where is Robin? Robin has her own PR agency. Um, Robin Com. Robin and I worked together at Disney 30 years ago. Wow. Um, and we've remained friends. She has worked at some really amazing companies. She's just incredibly smart and, and works with um, a lot of CEOs. Um, she, she would be quite, quite an intelligent person. To, yeah. to speak with. Awesome. Well, I'm going to, I'll, yeah, I'll connect to you. Okay. For yes, sure. please, please. And <laughs> I, but I, you know, I think that that's the thing. Like I started this as a journalism project. Uh, but the more I get into the conversations, the more important it is to, I think, to bring in some of those great points of view, like yourself, like Robin and others. I spoke to a woman a couple months, a couple weeks back who was the head of communications for, for football, for all of the university of Missouri that's a crazy big job. I mean, like some really cool people that are, you know, in our space, working with journalists, having conversations and trying to advance, you know, their own stories about their own brands and the things that they're working on. And I think that that's also just, it's great to get that point of view. So I would love to talk to Robin and I'd love that connection. Like I said, we all learn from conversations. It's just really, it's something that if we all just open I know we could, that, that is a that is a bigger bigger conversation for for many well, many and of it's our so people <laughs> that we have to listen as well as hosts yes you, you have to realize like you really have to make it a point that you're listening because of the 
the interaction and the reaction and the um, the you know the spontaneity that I find. You know, I make a list of questions always, but somebody says something and I follow it up because I want to learn more yeah. of that topic that That's they right. hit on. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, Alan, I'm so grateful for your time today. And I wish you all the best with the locker room. I'm going to send it out to the folks that pay attention to my podcast. Uh, And let's keep in touch because I think there'll be more opportunities to work together, my friend. I love it. Thank you so much, Lisa. Appreciate it. Thank you. Recording stopped. All right. Can you hear me? That was amazing. That was yeah. really, that was super fun. Thank you for doing that. Super fun. I love it. When, when will you wear this? It is, I think, um, so I have one other episode before you. So Emily Heil is today. I will edit this and I will send you a link so you can listen to it and tell me if, I mean, I don't, I think everything sounded oh. fantastic, but I always yeah. give people that option because I think they like to be able to say like, whatever. Um, so my hope is not this coming Friday, but the Friday after. Okay, yeah. great. So two I weeks. It. I usually I'll share it as well. I love it. No, it's so great. Yeah, You're doing absolutely. so much. 300 absolutely. episodes is a lot, my friend. I'm really super impressed. It's like thank you. fun. And it's fun to watch too. All these daytime faces and it's like, they're like old friends, honestly. They are. And that's, you know, why I think it, res- it resonated at that time because yeah. we were all separated from our friends. Yeah. No matter who you were. Right. You know, it wasn't like <laughs> just you were separated. The, the whole country, the whole world was separated. Right, right. No, Makes I, it, you know, it was just the right idea at the right time, yeah. which I had no idea. Well, good was, for you. you know. I love it. So, I absolutely yeah. love it. Well, I'll do some editing and I'll send you a link and then I'll let you know Appreciate for sure. It. But I think that, I think we're likely scheduled. I have, like I said, I have two in the can that I have to work on today. So more than likely it's two weeks from today it will air. Perfect. All great. right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Okay. Have a great weekend, my friend. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. And that's today's Friday Reporter Podcast, a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. Thanks so much. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, Shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects.